even with some hiccups in week one, the Green Bay Packers through three weeks have proven they can play the way they want to play, punctuated by a dominating performance in Tampa Bay in week three. What does it mean moving forward? We break that down. Plus, it is another Zayu Duin extravaganza. Our pal Lizao joins us next. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Flotsam. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You're locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for The Leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Our pal Lily Zhao on the show today to talk about Packers Bucks, to talk about Packers Patriots. All of that coming up. Mac Jones is hurt in this game. We're going to get into what that means for them tomorrow on our crossover show and a little bit here in our open. Uh, Today's episode brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Every week, 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. Okay. When... The Packers drafted Quay Walker. They made it clear they wanted to play a certain kind of way. And that was nickel. Nickel, nickel, nickel. Two true defensive linemen. Two true edge players. Two true stack linebackers, off-ball linebackers. And then you have your five defensive back look behind it. Two safeties, three corners. Nickel. Very traditional nickel. Now they've mixed in some penny looks and that's going to continue to be a part of how they want to do this, especially in some of these, you know, second and long situations, Um, third and long. They're going to mix in some of that stuff, although they've, they've mixed they've mixed in some dime here and there as well, though much less than they have in the past. And what we saw on Sunday with Quay Walker playing 85% of snaps, is this team doing the thing that they set out to do when they intended to make this change? They stopped the run from nickel. And whatever excuse you want to make about the Tampa Bay pass catchers, you can make it. But that doesn't actually change the point that I'm making. That's the beauty of this. Because what they wanted to do was say, look, here are three corners that we think can match up with any receiver sets you want to put out there. You want to put two receiver sets out there. You want to put three receiver sets out there. We think we can match up with that. And more importantly, we think we can stop the run when you do that. We think in 11 personnel that we can stop the run out of nickel if we're going to play that way. They had to get creative in years past. Under Mike Patton, it was the the heavy dime looks, what they called big nickel, but it's really dime with an extra safety. 
And they just couldn't stop the run effectively from that um, personnel grouping. And we can look at some of the advanced numbers and the run defense. It still says Packers run defense, not great. Part of that is because there were so few plays actually being run in this game that, um, and, and so few plays in the Bears game, the plays that are there um, outweigh really what they mean. We've talked about that last drive in Chicago and that it's really fool's gold in terms of run defense. The Packers were, were matching um, nickel with with heavy personnel, and that's just in in game flow. They're not going to do that. They were doing it because the Bears, they assumed were going to try and throw to get back in the game, and they didn't. The last drive for the Bucks, same kind of thing. Like that's just not. It, it's a different kind of situation. We want to look at game neutral situations. So not end of game, not end of half. And to hold Leonard Fournette in this run game to thirty four yards is actually more important than the secondary piece of this, precisely because the the reason you play nickel is because you trust your corners. So it does it actually doesn't matter that the Buccaneers receivers were out because Green Bay is essentially saying, even if you guys had your dudes and Chris Godman is out there and Julio Jones and Mike Evans are out there, it's nickel because we think we have three corners who can match up against your guys. Now, whether or not they can actually do that, we did not get an answer to that question. I think they can, but we have to see it. I think you're going to see Jerry Alexander in the slot against Chris Godwin a little bit more because Russell Douglas showed some of his limitations from the slot against smaller, quicker receivers. You know, Cole Beasley was able to get him a couple times. Um, you saw Brashad Perriman, who I called Brett Perriman in, in the post-game show. Um, I did correct myself. Uh, his ability to win vertical. I think Tampa presents unique challenges in that regard for Russell from the slot. I think in general, Russell in the slot as a run defender is awesome. His physicality, his tackling as an underneath defender is really useful for this defense. But this is exactly why you sort of, just from a secondary standpoint, it's it's not the point of this game. Or at least it's not the point that I'm making here. The Packers whether they whether they can defend this team through the air from nickel is to be determined later. What you have to be able to prove is you can stop the run from nickel. And for whatever changes you might make, are they going to call the same coverages? Maybe not. Are they going to call the same blitzes? Maybe not. But they were able to get pressure with four consistently. And they were able to show, they showed sim pressures. They they brought some blitzes for the first time all season. They they brought five out of those penny looks, even though that's not technically a blitz because it's three down linemen and, and two edge rushers. They were able to pressure Tom Brady in a game where, and, and I thought Zach Cruz made a great point. If this game was not against Tom Brady, he was getting the ball at an under two seconds. If this game is not against Tom Brady, they might have six sacks, eight sacks. Like they might they might do to Carson Wentz and the commanders what the Eagles did and just sack him eight or nine times. They might sack Brian Hoyer because this offensive line for, for New England is not great. They might sack them eight, you know, six, seven, eight times because Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, Jaron Reed, Devontae Wyatt, I mean, these guys were getting after it and, and Quay Walker blitzing. He won, he won some, some reps against Leonard Fournette 
couldn't get home. And then there were a couple reps. He had really good rushes. And if it's anyone other than a 6'1", 240-pound running back, we talked about this with Justice Muscata yesterday, he's probably getting in the backfield and causing some disruption. So what you, what you need to be able to do from nickel is stop the run. Because you have personnel on the field to stop the pass. If you need to go to dime to stop the pass, now you've created all these other problems. That is not how this team is set up. It's not set up to do that. And so that's why this there is such an important takeaway here. Because the run defense is starting to look like the run defense they need it to be. When they tried to stop David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert in the run game in Chicago, they did it. They weren't really trying on that last drive. And I know that seems like a cop-out and Bears fans, whatever. They, the game was over. They, weren't, they were not matching personnel. They were trying to prevent the quick score that would give the Bears an opportunity to actually make it a game when it wasn't. And they, they defended the, the Vikings run game pretty well until the second half. When, all, when the Packers offense had, had really stalled out and they weren't able to do a lot and they're starting to get tired and they're busting coverages. We haven't seen that lately, by the way, last two weeks. They haven't been doing that. They've been playing a little bit more cover one as a result um, of, of what we saw in week one. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's going to be a good thing this week against the Patriots. It's going to be a good thing against the team like the commanders of Carson Wentz. Make him throw into tight windows. There are a lot of games where that's going to serve them well. Are they going to be able to match up with Buffalo? We'll see. Are they going to be able to match up with Detroit? We'll see. That's an interesting one. Are they going to be able to match up with Minnesota the next time these two teams play? Part of that is going to be how long Jair Alexander is out. We we got the reporting that, that this is not a long-term injury for Jair, but that doesn't mean a no a no-time missed injury. That seems unlikely given the quickness with which he was ruled out of that game. So, yes, the Packers' secondary looked good against Tom Brady in a a game where he had no receivers. But the fact that he had to get the ball out so quickly, so consistency points to a pass rush that is going to continue to be good and a run defense that all of a sudden, now when your linebackers are playing the way Devondre Campbell did and Quay Walker, and when your safeties are playing like Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos did, now you can defend all the parts of the field And then you trust your DBs. You trust Rasul and Jair and Eric Stokes to match up with Godwin Evans and Julio. And there just aren't that many teams that have a bunch of guys to throw at you where that's a problem. And Tampa doesn't really either. It it was crucial for them to have Antonio Brown. He was that third guy. When you only have two, it just changes the math. And when the run game is not the same, and it's not been, the run game for Tampa has been bad this year. The Packers made sure it stayed bad, which is, I think, an important thing. You can say, oh, well, it was bad. Okay, Packers made sure it stayed bad. If they were really a bad defense, they would make this rush offense look better. I don't think they're a bad run defense. I really don't. And the fact that they now feel comfortable with Quay Walker, that he's taking these incremental steps every week, that the safeties are starting to play better, Campbell is playing better, they're starting to move in the direction of, of, 
not just a good, but a great defense. Top 10 in all kinds of metrics, yards, points, points per drive, yards per drive. It, it's success rate, all this, all this great defensive metric stuff. The DVOI numbers are lagging. I don't, I don't quite know what that's about. But they are, they are after some issues week one, they are proving they can play the way they want to play and they can dictate terms to an offense. That's what we wanted to see in week one it's, or in week three. And that's what makes that last drive even more maddening because they, they just couldn't push the ball down the field. Tom Brady refused to push the ball down the field. And so they needed to have been a little bit tighter in those spots. You won, you learn, don't do that again. Don't do that again, and you're going to be fine. If they can just close these games out a little bit better, they're going to start putting together performances where you stand up and go, holy crap, this defense. That's the kind of potential that they have. All right, we're going to get to Lily in just a second. Before we do that, let's talk about our friends at LinkedIn. As you gear up for fall, and we're in fall, it's sweater season, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn.com to reach your network and beyond to the large world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. We might need to use LinkedIn to find someone to read these ads a little bit better than I'm doing right now. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know? Every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Don't look now, but we've got a win streak. Two wins in a row for the Zhao You Doing crew. Joining me, of course, as she does every Wednesday on Locked on Packers from Fox 6 in Milwaukee, Lily Zhao, to answer the question on everyone's mind. Hope everyone is done puking on the sidelines. Hope everyone has handled their two-point conversion business after looking at the Jumbotron. Lily, Zhao You Doing? Peter, I am doing very, very well. Uh, the weather's turning for more of a football winter feel which is why i'm in a fleece so don't judge me um but it's it's feeling good i you know we're on a mini win streak no one's puking anywhere everyone's feeling good yeah um, so i'm doing great is how you doing i'm good i'm good um you know another late afternoon game on sunday so there probably will be some people doing that in the in the uh in between cars at lambeau field it would not be the first time and it will not be the last time that it happens the packers um will not have played a noon game in a month after a Sunday, like that's just a weird thing about this schedule. Let's start in Tampa. Um, we we felt like going in, the Packers had a really good chance to win this game. Um, did it did it play out sort of the way you thought it would? Not really. I know a lot of people were like, "Oh, Vegas thought it was going to be a defensive slugfest." I still thought that, despite you know both sides miss, missing really good wide receivers, that there would be more of an offensive showing because mm-hmm. again, it is. Aaron Rodgers, and it is Tom Brady. And for some reason, I feel like the Bucs can always just put up points whenever they want to, right? I will say, though, I was pleasantly surprised by how well the Packers defended Leonard Fournette. I thought he was going to be a force on the ground for the Bucs. Um, but I certainly did not see a 14-point win for the Packers, because if you told me the Packers scored 14 points, I'd have been like, did they win? Um, so it didn't really play out the way I thought it would. But that being said, it was fun watching it kind of develop because the defense looked really good, and that was a super encouraging thing. And 
special teams. Special teams was incredible in this game. I want to talk about that in a second, but you make a really good point that I, that had not occurred to me. If if I had told you before this game that the Packers were going to score 14, I think you would have said there's no way they win this game. And they scored 14 and dominated this game. I mean, that's the really crazy thing. Like it took uh, a, an act of Joe Barry um, to and, and Tom Brady. Let's give them a little credit to make this game close at the end. It also took an Aaron Jones fumble. It took um, some uncharacteristic turnovers from the Packers to, to get to this point. So I think it's it's a really encouraging win. Let's talk about those special teams because Keyshawn Nixon, Rudy Ford, and we got punter talk now with, with Pat O'Donnell. I mean, it is remarkable that this was that was part of the key difference in this game because it ended up in a defensive battle. You have to play field position. You have to take those advantages and, and still garbage holding call on Tipa Naliai when he got pulled into the kicker. That was going to be the biggest play of the game because Amari Rodgers had gotten them into field, what it was essentially field goal range. So we, we could not have predicted that. Did you think, Lily Zhao, after I've gone on this huge preamble, that the special teams would have a game like this where they really did materially impact the game in a positive way this quickly? I did not. I didn't either. Um, I think if you told me again, week three, would we see kind of a resurgence on special teams after what we saw the first two weeks of the season? I would have been like, ah, are you sure? But that being said, it really was the formula in beating Tom Brady in the Bucks. Hit them deep. Defense, you know, gets a three and out, or maybe they get one first down. They punt it. Packers have good field advantage. They couldn't do anything with it, so they punt it back, and the cycle just repeated itself. But it just is amazing with how well this unit has responded. Again, you bring in a guy like Rudy Ford. You bring in Keyshawn Nixon, who stepped in for Jair Alexander, known for what he's doing on special teams. And they're not really gunners. I think Matt LaFleur said they're flyers now. But just with how fast. I I like that so much better than we fence. Then we fence. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just how fast they get down the field was remarkable because there really was no room for these uh, returners to really make any sort of dent in that. And then again, that's just a credit for how well Pat O'Donnell has been punting and his leg got a major workout on Sunday. I mean, he was on the field basically every other play with how well, or I shouldn't say how well, but um, how well this Bucks defense was playing against the Packers offense. So I think it's a really encouraging step though, because this is what, not what we've seen in the past, right? They, the special teams has not been able to really pin guys deep. I think they were able to get, you know, the Bucks offense, I think within 15 yards multiple times with uh, what they were able to do there. But, you know, unfortunately that return game is still kind of questionable and hopefully that gets better as well. But in terms of having, uh, you know, the punting game getting going, I, I really like how everything's really shaken out so far with that special teams unit. Yeah, they are 14th in DVOA which is bang on average. Just give me an average special teams. And I'm happy because the offense is where we thought it would be. The defense is really rounding into form. So this is one of those things where like, this is what the Packers said they were going to do. And they did it. How often does that happen? (laughs) Not very often, even among good franchises. It's not very often. Let's talk Dobbs because this was a breakout performance for Romeo and and not even in ways that we saw him win in training camp and in the preseason winning vertically so often. What, what stood out to you about Romeo Dobbs on Sunday? I think it's that he's getting a lot more comfortable and it's only three weeks into the season and he's making the most out of his opportunities with Sammy Watkins on IR and Christian Watson, you know, obviously didn't play as well. So he's making the most of his opportunities, but I like just the separation he's creating. He's a smart kid. 
I mean, when Matt LaFleur is gushing about you for like five minutes on a Monday presser, it's a good sign, right? I mean, he was so impressed with how this kid was able, able to separate. And again, he just needs more of those game reps. And when you lead the team in week three in catches, when you have a guy like Alan Lazard, a guy like Randall Cobb as your primary pass catchers as well, and you're leading the way there, it's a really encouraging sign saying that, hey, Aaron Rodgers trusts me enough to, to throw me the ball. And I think, it, I forget, was it was at the second half where they had, uh, you know, two pre-designed plays for him in a row. Yep. Um, first first two plays of the second half. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, they see him as a critical part of this offense. He's going to continue to get better because he's going to continue to get those game reps. But I think what we saw, and, and he even admitted in the locker room, he didn't really think he would be this involved. But that being said, I think he's really relishing the opportunity and doing well with it. And I'm super excited to see what he does next week against the Patriots. Yeah, and, and I'm fascinated. Let's talk a little bit about the Patriots. I'm fascinated to see how they defend this Packers offense because Todd Bowles made some adjustments in the second half, put put more people, the corners near the line of scrimmage um, and, and said, we don't think you can beat us over the top and we don't think you're going to be able to run the ball effectively enough. Um, how is How is Bill Belichick going to handle this? Because he is a defensive mastermind. And how is Matt LaFleur going to counter? Like these are the chess matches, right? So if if you're the Packers, um, do, do you do you have to make some changes here? Do you have to make some tweaks, understanding that, okay, second half did not go our way? Or or is it more like, look, we don't have to play the Bucks every week. So teams don't have the personnel, including the Patriots, to do this. I think if you're looking at, you know, not saying Bill Belichick's defense is on the same par as Todd Bowles defensive squad, but I, I do think it's going to be a little bit of an easier challenge this week for the Packers offense. And to your point of, Hey, if they, if they stuffed the run game, which, you know, the box certainly did. And there's really no deep passing threat. Other, there was that one deep shot there to uh, Lazard against Tampa Bay. It's what else can you do? I think Aaron Rodgers was really quick passing those guys to death. And I think I saw you tweet that or somebody tweet that as well. Um, they were really getting those short passes going, but again, when you're not getting good yardage on first and second down, that really was kind of crippling for them offensively because they were, I think, eight straight failed third down conversions. So I think that's going to be the key really for them is to really get those yardages on, on first and second down against the Patriots defense, which has been surrendering about 24 points per game so far this season. So there are opportunities to be had against this defense. I think it's going to be a little bit easier of a task, even though Bill Belichick is such a good defensive mind. Um, and I think this is a game where, again, if the Packers offense had played clean against Tampa Bay, we're talking about 21-3 and potentially even more after that, right? And momentum is such a big thing. So I think if they can just play a clean game and get those first and second downs going, I think they should they should be fine. We haven't seen them play a clean game. And, and that's something that I think they have to be emphasizing. Matt LaFleur, those guys, ball security. And this is this is kind of normal, sloppy play the first couple of weeks. But the fumbles, this is very uncharacteristic for the Packers. These these are AJ Dillon doesn't fumble. Um, Aaron Jones, you know, early in his career had some issues with it, but but not lately. And so to see him do it at the one yard line, now he's not expecting to get rocked by Vita Vea, right? But it, it is really interesting here. I, I was I was watching the game back. And with as infrequently as they tried to move the ball down the field and as infrequently as they used jet motion, I was watching the game going, wait, is, are they missing Christian Watson? Is this, is this part of, is this part of the deal here that his ability to get vertical and horizontal actually kind of vital to what the Packers want to do? What do you think? I think so. Certainly. And I, and because there really wasn't any sort of creativity when he wasn't, I mean, when he, when he didn't play week three, right. 
when you're seeing him be able to stretch the defense, that just gives him more, you know, chances in, in that short passing game as well. And we just didn't really see any of those deep shots. So everything was really contained to those 10 yards. And the Bucs certainly knew that we're kept keeping everything in front of them. So I think if when you have a guy like Christian Watson who can stretch the field, whether or not he's going to get targeted, right, it still makes that defense say, hey, we have to go deep. We have to cover him. And that leaves them a guy short up front. So I think they certainly did miss his his abilities and his route running skills and all that stuff. Um, whether or not he can come back in week four is to be determined. But I, I still do think that even though he isn't getting those targets that he likes, he's still a very vital part of this offense in terms of getting them moving. I think you're 100 percent right. And and you you watch the tape from week one and week two. So many plays are made because Christian Watson is clearing out a side or because his jet motion holds a linebacker and opens up a running lane. It is just such an important piece in this offense. I think they could use Romeo Dobbs, frankly, more there, but then the question becomes, all right, who, who's going to get the underneath throw? If that's supposed to be Dobbs, it's hard to do that. You know, you can't be both guys, right? You need to have both of those pieces. Let's talk about the defense because this, this to me was the epitome of who they wanted to be. Quay Walker plays 85% of snaps. And even without Jair Alexander, you get someone like Keyshawn Nixon who steps in, plays his butt off, Lily. They they hold Tom Brady to under 200 yards for 58 minutes of this game. What stood out to you most about this defensive performance? I just thought it was their ability to really make life uncomfortable for Tom. Um, we saw how quickly Rashawn Gary was in the backfield there. You talk about the speed at linebacker with Quay Walker and company and how they were just smart at trying to get the ball out. I think this is a really ball-hungry defense, and we certainly saw it on Sunday. But they made life really tough for Tom Brady. You can see that the shots of him on TV just he looks so frustrated. And I think that was the game plan. Frustrate Tom Brady because everything comes from him. I think they also did a great job, like I mentioned earlier, just, just stopping Leonard Fournette. He really wasn't that big of a factor in the game. And again, no granted, you don't have Mike Evans, you don't have Chris Godwin, you don't have Julio Jones. But, you know, that certainly would have changed the dynamic. But that being said, I still think they did a phenomenal job up front. They wanted to make life, Tom, life hard for Tom Brady. They certainly did that. And uh, this is certainly a defense that defense like that you said is like rounding out to form. Um, so I think they're they're slowly ascending. Darnell Savage said we're not even that good yet, in our opinion. So just imagine how good they could be. Yeah, we don't know how long Jair Alexander is going to be out, but Tom Pelissero reported, um, as I mentioned earlier, that that it's not expected to be long term. You just hate to see someone who and in a different kind of injury last year, he has the collarbone injury this year. It's the hamstring or the groin, excuse me. So hopefully he can get back soon. Um, just turning our attention briefly to the Patriots Packers, nine and a half point favorites in this game against what we expect to be a Patriots backup quarterback last year, Lily, the, the Packers defense played really well in big games against good QBs and kind of stalled out against these lesser QBs, the Tyler Huntley's and the Baker Mayfields of the world, let them run the ball and said, we're just going to play our two shell and no big plays. How confident are you after seeing, especially the last two weeks when it seemed like Joe Barry made adjustments, how confident are you that they will sell out to stop the run and, and have a more game plan specific approach than maybe they did last year at times? I, I think that's probably going to be a good case, right? Because it was even addressed this week. You know, how do you kind of keep these guys from being complacent when you know, I mean, no, nothing against Brian Hoyer. It's, you know, he's a back quarterback. You know, if they see him on Sunday, are they going to be more lax than, say, if they were facing a Mac Jones? Um, I, but I do think, to your point, it's – I'm sure they're going to be more game plan specific. Um, but I don't think you're going to see a slip in production from these defensive guys. I don't think they're going to be like, oh, it's going to be a – 
going to walk in the park. It's going to be an automatic win because whenever they think that way, that's when Brian Hoyer is throwing seven yard bombs down the field. Um, so I, you know, maybe not say that like, maybe like 35. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I do think that they're going to be hopefully more motivated and just playing up to the level they can play to and not playing down to their competition, not saying you're playing down to the Patriots, but um, you know, when, when you don't really know what you're going to get at that quarterback position, I, I do feel like, um, hopefully they step up on Sunday. What you want to see, right. Is then play like a pack of wolves, just like go attack this team because we know that they, they can only do one thing really. And that's run the ball. Like they're just not going to be able to throw the ball. So Take away that one thing. That's like the Bill Belichick thing. Make them play left-handed. So let's see if they can actually do it. Lily, we will be back next week with you to break down this game. Maybe we'll get a noon game someday. I don't know. I don't. I, it doesn't seem like it. So uh, that one's coming up. It is. It is. Um, and and the the London game oh, is yeah. is wake up early, set your alarms early, folks, because uh, yeah, it's it's going to get weird. Lily, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. All right. Thanks to Lily for joining the show. Always great to talk to her. She is a true delight. Mike debate on the show tomorrow. Locked on Patriots, our crossover Thursday live show on Friday. We got to change the time of the live show. Um, we, I, I have a, a conflict because my wife is gone. So I am on full toddler duty. Um, and that means I have to make sure my son is fed. I have to make sure that he is uh, clothed properly, that he is in bed, that he is sleeping. And so that will require me to have obligations during the time when my wife would normally help watch him. So, um, I will, uh, I will let you know the time of that. Follow me on Twitter to give you that. I, I am, I am thinking we're going to do seven o'clock central time, 7 PM central time on Friday for our happy hour live stream. If you have takes on that, let me know. If you think there's a better time, if there's a better time for you on Friday, have your people call my people and let me know. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Thanks for making Locked on Packers your first listen every day. Go make your second listen, Peacock and Williamson. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Um, subscribe to Locked on Packers on YouTube. Um, on your podcast platform of choice. Thanks for being here with us. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.